from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that's Matt, and over there is Ryan. Episode 539 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast is sponsored by No House Advantage, the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available. Well, I guess it's... It's week seven. Week seven is pretty much in the books, Ryan. How you doing, bud? Uh, week seven was rough. Rough. <laughs> it, it just feels like there was lots of bad news in week seven. Uh, yeah, we're going to get to a lot of that news yeah. in the show today. But it, it felt like as a dynasty manager, we all just kept taking hits throughout the day, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, my, my teams actually did did well. <laughs> throughout the week, we, we constantly got news of... Uh, even though that some players, some of the stars were coming back from injury, the yeah. Jonathan Taylors of the world, uh, it, it, you know, Russell Wilson went down late in the week and that, that he suddenly was out. And, you know, th- those continued to kind of trickle in throughout the week all the way until Sunday morning when DeAndre Swift, who we all expected to play this week coming off the bye, didn't play. And then and then just the replacements, the guys we, we count on every single week to score us points or, or the replacements that we stuck in our lineup to fill in for these buys or these injuries, they, they just let off clunker after clunker throughout the weekend. Yeah, just, just so frustrating um, for sure. I mean, injuries, uh, injuries leading up to the games, injuries in the games, it wasn't even necessarily – uh, good or bad on-field performances. It was just, I don't know, just just felt like a lot of a lot of hits, as you said, this week. Yeah, Matt, uh, let's bring you in here, too. You feel the same way? Yeah, and it feels, it feels like the most uncertainty that I've ever had about <laughs> what's going to happen uh, from now until the, the end of the, the fantasy season than I've ever felt like this, this deep into the season, you know, it feels like a lot of teams are, are, are spent like the first month and a half trying to figure things out what, what their identity is. And for some of those teams, it feels like we still don't, aren't really sure about that. So, but we have uh, some really exciting news. I was bouncing off the walls kind of uh, when this news hit uh, and I'll, I'll let you tee that up, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get right to it. The startup. Well, when this news broke uh, during Thursday night football, right, guys? Uh, I, I felt like it was we should have had it like an emergency episode of the yeah, DLF Dynasty podcast to talk about Christian McCaffrey, the 
somewhat shocking trade. We don't get these kind of things in the in the football community. You see this in baseball. Of course, you see it in the NBA as well from time to time. Star players moving from a a negative situation or a situation that isn't necessarily great to one that is pretty darn good, honestly. Uh, you know, leading up to with the speculation of the Christian McCaffrey being on being on the on the trade block, guys, we were all a little bit leery, right? That was he was getting all that work in Carolina, and we were just thinking, you know, this might not be that great for his dynasty uh, value. But Matt, as you kind of alluded to, many of us were were bouncing off the wall in anticipation. Dealt to San Francisco for a handful of picks. Three next year in the second, third, and fourth round. A fifth rounder in 2024 as well. And he got on the field right away. Yeah, and I I wrote on Twitter, as, as many people did, like that he's about to break fantasy football again, kind of like he did in 2019. Uh, only, you know, like I think 10 touches today, but um, 60-something yards on those touches. In 2019, he averaged over 29.5 points a game, which was more uh, over a point higher than the quarterback won that season, which was the season that Lamar Jackson had his massive game. So uh, I just think the fit with this Shanahan running scheme – uh, is is pretty perfect. I do think the volume could come down uh, depending on how they if they decide to mix in these other backs. That's kind of in Shanahan's thing. But some of the arguments against him, uh, I feel like we've already we've already fought through with Christian McCaffrey. I saw a lot of well, you know, Shanahan doesn't throw the ball to the the running backs that much. But Carlos Hyde got eighty eight <laughs> got eighty eight targets in a Shanahan offense not that long ago. We saw Devontae Freeman do that. So he has had backs that done that. We've just been dealing with like nobody in that backfield for the last couple of years. Um, we also had the narrative that nobody was going to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey when it was Cam Newton because he didn't throw the ball short. Remember that narrative? So I just I, I think he's a different kind of player, a unique player, player maybe the most versatile offensive weapon in the game. And I think he's going to settle right into this scheme. And uh, they paid a lot to get him, you know, from an NFL perspective. So I don't see any problem with the usage. I was actually surprised to see so much um, concern, I guess, Me or too. worry that this might not be a good situation or might not be the upgrade we wanted. Um, and, and, you know, some of the some of the things, honestly, that we held against Elijah Mitchell, um, things like Shanahan likes to use a committee back or the, the narrative or, or, or whatever you want to call it that – San Francisco running backs always seem to get injured, and obviously McCaffrey has that injury history himself. We're not going to hold the same things against Christian McCaffrey that we did against no. a guy like Elijah Mitchell. It's just it's not the same situation, and he was producing despite everything going on in Carolina, a coaching change, basically no quarterback, a horrible offense. He was still putting up numbers, and um, yeah, we saw him eased into into the 49er offense uh, on Sunday. But I mean, I'm with you, Matt. I, I think it's it's all systems go with Christian McCaffrey, and um, for me, there's no concerns with him. It's more about who on the team is this going to hurt, and I think it might be Debo Samuel. But we'll we'll see as as the season goes. I think teams that don't have McCaffrey and, and our, our strong competing teams, like they're going to have a problem with the teams that do have McCaffrey. I think it's one of the most important moves you can make right now if you're trying, if you're all in to win this season, is to go get McCaffrey, whatever it costs. 
we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, we can get to that uh, for sure. You you mentioned that he played on Sunday. Eight carries, 38 yards, caught a couple passes for 24. I think that was a good way to put it, Ryan. He was eased into the offense. They clearly had a role for him to play on Sunday that will continue to expand throughout the rest of the season. What Before we get to what he's worth and all those kind of things, I want to talk about something that I haven't heard a lot about, at least in the avenues that I look for this kind of information, it's what he, it might do for his longevity and the long-term upside of Christian McCaffrey. Because we see him as this this age 26, age 27 tailback, which is typically the time where we want to move on from these type of guys. But playing in that Shanahan system where he creates opportunities for his best players in space, and clearly now CMC is his best player in space along with Debo Samuel, uh it feels like he's going to get more high leverage opportunities and and more opportunities on the edge rather than that stuff in the middle of the field that he was relied on so much for in Carolina. Matt, you said that maybe he won't get as many opportunities. This might be one of those odd situations or unique situations, I should say, where a running back doesn't need 24 touches in a football game no. to be a monster fantasy performer. He can do it with... 18 or even 16 or even 14 touches in a game because his coach is scheming up opportunities on the perimeter and even downfield where he can be so dynamic and score so many fantasy points and so many touchdowns for the 49ers. I just think that maybe we need to look at him from a different lens now because he's going to be used differently and maybe that will prolong this window that he's in to be this ultra high-end running back for fantasy managers. Yeah, Ryan said that he thinks it hurts Debo. I I guess I agree, but I'm pretty excited to see. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm just completely speculating here. But it seems like this offense really likes to have players that look similar and do similar things. That way they can kind of distract the defense, you know, and, and confuse the defense on what they're going to do. Um, and now they have the two perfect players to do that. They've got the reverse CMC and Debo, right? He's the wide receiver that lines up in the backfield. CMC is the running back in the line, line up outside. So to see both of these guys, you know, coming out of the backfield uh, on these misdirection kind of plays, like I just don't know how defense are going to defend these two guys. So while from a total volume standpoint, I think maybe we see a little bit of reduction in Debo, especially like in terms of backfield carries maybe, but I don't, I'm not necessarily sure it's going to result in less production. Yeah, Dan, going back to what you said, uh, our buddy Rich Rebar had a good tweet about this uh, really almost immediately after the trade was announced on uh, on Thursday night, that McCaffrey going from the Panthers, uh, who had a league low five offensive plays inside the 10-yard line, five offensive plays through six weeks uh, for the Panthers, to the 49ers who uh, coming into this week had uh, had run 30 plays inside the 10, which is tied for fifth in the league. Um, so, yeah, those high high leverage touches, maybe he doesn't get the, you know, the 25 touches per week, uh, rushes and, and, and targets combined or receptions combined, uh, but he's going to get more work inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, and, and that's what we really care about. You mentioned the players that are most affected by this, and we can talk about the Panthers side of things as well. We should. But first, you mentioned Debo Samuel. I thought, I know he's been on the sideline and, and hasn't been available to the 49ers. It's Elijah Mitchell. There are a lot of dynasty managers that yeah. are, are thinking week 9, sure. week 10, yeah. right around there. Elijah Mitchell is going to come back and become that impact player again. And and I, I don't even know if there's a, a spot for him to get touches on this team right now. He's 
He's kind of become the the Raheem Mostert from a couple of years ago where, yeah, when he's healthy, he was the guy, but then he broke down and kind of lost that that favoritism or, or lost that opportunity and never really regained it when he was with Shanahan in that offense. It I, I feels to me like if you have Elijah Mitchell, you have something that is that is nearly worthless in the dynasty community right now. So, I mean, the, my view on, on Mitchell was he already didn't have the value, right? right. Like even after a really impressive rookie season, uh, he, he didn't jump up in value. Like, like many people might expect he, you know, he wasn't a top three or four round uh, pick in startups. You couldn't trade him in most leagues. You could not trade him for a first round pick even in this past class that was that was viewed as a down class um, because those narratives that, that I threw out earlier were already out there. And, and then when he gets hurt in, um, what, week one, I guess it was, when, when he gets hurt basically to start the season, plus the injuries he dealt with in the preseason, it was just feeding uh, those, those concerns that were already out there about Mitchell. So he had the chance to come back and, as you said, win that job back, be the starter again. He had the chance to produce. I don't know that it hurts his value all that much because his value is already just about gone. Um, but if, yeah, if you had him on your IR and you were looking ahead a couple weeks from now and, and thinking you could plug him into your lineup, obviously that's not going to happen. No, Jeff Wilson also, it, he's been kind of riding this roller coaster up and down from, from the injury list himself to, to the starting lineup and, the, and a guy that we've been relying on. He mixed in on Sunday uh, as well. The, the 49ers were playing from behind. He got eight carries as well, and, and he was impressive on those eight carries. It seems like maybe the 49ers might use a committee, at least to some extent, and and Jeff Wilson will get those carries between the tackles. Obviously, he's no, no longer an RB2, barely a flex play at best going into next week, and we'll see how that even goes. We're not going to feel all that comfortable playing Jeff Wilson moving forward either. The last guy on this team we should talk about, guys, is TDP, Ty Davis Price. Um, clearly now a back-of-the-roster, fringe-type roster-type player in a 25-man league. It's going to take multiple injuries for TDP to get opportunities in year one. He's now one of those developmental running backs that, that we have to wait on, right? It it feels like it's another wasted pick, like the Trey uh Trey Sermon pick from last mm. season. Yeah. Well, for a different reason though. Sure. Sure. But I, I mean, we need to there's a lot of uh, a lot of CMC hype, right? I mean, he's been having a solid season despite the Panthers offense. He gets this trade which uh most people seem to think is a a a great landing spot for him and his fantasy production. We do need to remember the concerns that we had over the past two years about his injury. I mean, we were already rostering Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard in, in most dynasty leagues. Um, so should we totally drop TDP or Wilson or, or, or those guys? I don't think so. We still have to keep in mind, first of all, as Dan said earlier, we, we don't know exactly what type of backfield rotation they're going to use. They're going to sprinkle in some of those guys uh, or at least one other of those guys for sure. Um, and then, after the past two seasons, there's just going to be injury concerns for CMC for the rest of his career, basically, um, because we we're not going to forget those two seasons that that hurt fantasy managers so badly. Um, so I, I still think all of these guys, 
Wilson, TDP, and Mitchell specifically are worth roster spots. You know, if you have 25 plus man rosters. On the other side of things, the Carolina Panthers knocked off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21 to 3 on Sunday in, in what can only be a massive upset, I guess. Uh, that backfield, Chuba Hubbard looked pretty good until he got banged up. Nine carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Also caught a couple passes and looked to be the the preferred pass catcher out of the backfield. Deontay Foreman mixed in up until the injury, ended up with 15 carries, went over 100 yards, 118 there, and caught two for 27 as well. In the fantasy community in general, there was a lot of skepticism, I would say, about who to use and if you could even use these two guys. But through one week in Carolina, Matt, it looks like these guys are going to be relied on to be a big part of the offense, and it might be a a tag team situation with Chuba and Deontay Foreman. We'll see what the Chuba injury looks like uh, throughout the week. If if that's anything significant, Deontay Foreman might suddenly be an RB two for dynasty managers. I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's super <laughs> certainly possible, but I, I, I think Ryan made a made a groan, so, and I kind of feel feel similarly. Like I, I just it's gonna probably gonna be a committee, right? And it's a terrible team. Yes, McCaffrey I think was the RB four, uh, despite the the terribleness of that team. But I'm not really willing to say that those other two guys are gonna uh, produce right now. You have PJ Walker back there, who was actually decent today compared to his game last week. Um, but you know, we're, 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 this is a team we're excited for Sam Darnold to come back and, and quarterback for. So, uh, I'm probably not investing in any of those guys, but if you have them on your roster and you think you want to keep them, I guess, but I'm probably just going to sell them for whatever I can get hmm. at this point. I'd probably take a third rounder for both of them. Yeah. I don't see much upside in those guys either. Honestly. Um, I would, I, I think I would take th- a third rounder for them as well for either, uh, of them. Um, I mean, Sunday was just a weird game against the Bucks. Yeah. that, I mean, there was so much talk about, can the 49ers get McCaffrey ready? Um, but the, the other end of that was the Bucks spent all week preparing for Christian McCaffrey and, it, you know, Hubbard and, and Foreman are different types of, uh, of running backs than McCaffrey. So not to mention the, the Buccaneers are just, you know, in a terrible spot right now. I I don't know. I can't explain it, but it's obviously not good. Um, I I mean, I think we look back on the season and, and and we look at this week as maybe the best game for those two combined. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm willing to say that they're going to continue to use that running game. They got the Falcons next week. That's a favorable matchup. If one of these guys gets a majority of the work, he's going to be useful to fantasy players and you know i i think i'd rather have foreman at this point than a third round pick just to see what happens for the rest of the season he was very productive last year in tennessee as well when derrick henry went down uh we really should move on but we i gotta i gotta mention this he christian mccaffrey might have been traded more in dynasty leagues on friday than in than any one player in one single day i went to the trade finder and found dozens of trades of Christian McCaffrey in dynasty leagues, lots of them for a single first and a single second, a couple times for a, a pair of first round picks. I saw him traded for Marquise Brown after the Brown news was already out and a 23 first uh, CMC for Khalil Herbert 
and two first-round picks as well. CMC and Gus Edwards, who we're going to get to as well, for Kenneth Walker and DK Metcalf. That was in a 10-team league. Uh, And McCaffrey for Deontay Johnson, Brian Robinson, a 23 first and a 23 third. So that's the that's the range. None of these are enough. You're paying more than all of those. Oh, yeah. Two first plus. I'll send two first. No problem. And like the two first and two first plus uh, easily. Yeah. (laughs) We call this Pitts fever. Perfect time to move on. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Yeah, I got the Sleeper Stash of the Week. And once again, uh, we are going to take a look at a player outside the top 200 in our Dynasty ADP that you should consider stashing. And my guy is probably already on a roster, most likely in your leagues. Hopefully he's on your roster. Uh, RB61, 207 overall. It's Gus Edwards running back for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, 16 carries for 66 yards and a pair of rushing touchdowns. He had 23 snaps mixed in with those other two tailbacks. Justice Hill had 20. Kenyon Drake had 17, but he led the team in carries. Got those high leverage carries around the goal line as well. J.K. Dobbins, of course, he is on IR. Going to miss at least four weeks. And, you know, like I said, Gus Edwards is a guy I've had stashed because he was free in the offseason or or even last year uh, after the injury. Um, and it looks like he could pay off here in the next month and and maybe even the rest of this season. Honestly, we all are a lot of dynasty managers got the got the fever about Kenyon Drake last week after his big game. But they quickly went back to Gus Edwards. He knows that system. He mixes really, really well with Lamar Jackson as well. That power back between the tackles and Lamar can work off of that. So uh, Gus Edwards is our sleeper stash of the week brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. It is built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Dynasty Drumbeats. And we need to we need to kind of catch up on everything that's happening. As Ryan said when we we brought him in at the beginning of the show, it it just felt like we were all we've been all over the place over the last week or so. We have trade rumors that we should probably talk about. We got to get to injuries, and then uh, I want to we want to talk about a few players that uh, got back on the field and really looked good. So let's start with those trade rumors and start with your guy Ryan Elijah Moore. The news this week was was in the negative category, really. Uh, he's he's not happy in New York, didn't get any yeah. targets, uh, was excused from practice, requested a trade, did not play on Sunday. A guy that you and I both and lots of dynasty managers really liked coming into the season. One of the young core that the Jets were supposed to build around. And now they, they have to mend this relationship before we can move forward. Yeah, and it, it seems like that's their goal that they, I mean, he he did request a trade, as you said, that trade request, at least publicly, was denied. The Jets have said they're not going to trade him. I mean, we have seen his, his value obviously plummeting. He was um, he, he was really aggressively valued this offseason uh, because of the way he ended the season last year as a rookie. Unfortunately, most of that was not with Zach Wilson. Um, I, I mean, the 
the splits are not good with and without Zach Wilson there. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Wilson just does not seem to favor Elijah Moore uh, as a target. And, you know, it's, it's been pretty easy to see that they've dialed back that, uh, that passing offense. So, I mean, the volume is just not there for any of the receivers. You know, I mean, Elijah Moore is getting all the talk right now, but I mean, Garrett Wilson has, has not been producing either. So just, just kind of a frustrating situation. The Jets, uh, we, we've said the same thing with the Falcons and, and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. The Jets are winning. They're having success. So uh, what they're doing, at least in, in the near future, is not going to change. They're going to continue uh, that path at least as best as they can, you know, regarding some other news that we'll get to. Um, but they're, they're going to try to keep that same, uh, same style of play, and it's not going to be – a high volume pass offense and, for and the for dynasty takeaway here Wilson. is just to hold tight, let Elijah Moore stay on the bench and let this thing play out for the rest of the season. Matt, how about Chase Claypool and Brandon Cooks? Both were talked about on Sunday morning on the pregame shows as guys that were on the trade block and could be gotten if somebody comes and pays the right price. According to reports, Chase Claypool, the the Steelers, they want multiple round two picks, or excuse me, day two picks. Uh, with Brandon Cooks, they it seems like they they would move on. The Houston Texans would move on from Cooks, and we as dynasty managers just want a fresh start for Cooks. Yeah, I think if Cooks moves, it's probably to a like a strong competing team. I mean, you could throw what can you throw them in the mix with? Kansas City or Green Bay, one of these teams that presumably could have a good passing offense if they had a true uh, leader in the in, in the wide receiver room. Um, so if it's going to happen, I think it's probably going to some somebody like that. I don't think that Claypool is probably going anywhere, especially for two day two picks. Um, they still have one more year on his contract for after this season. That's you know pretty reasonable. Uh, for for a wide receiver of of his you know talent of what he could be of her ceiling I guess we should say but you know if if somebody wants to grab him and he goes if if he went to the Packers I'd be pretty excited about that Dan um, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna pony up for that though um, so I'd say probably Cooks is the most likely of these two to, to go and I don't think the asking price will, should be that high for a twenty nine year old receiver yeah and the and the again the dynasty takeaway is we need to we need to stand pat I, I guess maybe you could try to get get ahead of things and go get cooks on the cheap right now hoping he lands with a team that will use him properly personally I'd like to see cooks land with a true alpha where he can be that yeah. number two guy and uh, play under the radar a little bit last two guys we should talk about under trade rumors Ryan. Uh, Jerry Judy, a couple young guys that we, we really like in the dynasty community, but haven't been putting up the numbers, at least until this week, Jerry Judy and DJ Moore. Uh, what's your feel on these guys? It really does feel like the, the Panthers want to build around DJ Moore. Yeah, that that's been the report. Um, and, and I mean, going back to the Claypool report, we just, you know, we, it, we just have to take these things with a grain of salt. Because last week we said McCaffrey would not be traded. The report was they wanted multiple first-round picks. And those things change uh, as, as teams get desperate. I don't know if Pittsburgh is, is to that stage yet where they're desperate. It, on DJ Moore, it, it sounds like they want to they keep him. They want to move forward uh, with him. He had a better game on Sunday with McCaffrey gone, with Robbie Anderson gone. So... 
I mean, I still want to see a fresh start for, for really all of these players that we're talking about, all of these receivers. They're on this list because they are struggling. Uh, in most cases, their teams are struggling. I would love to see all five of them dealt and, and land in a better spot. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, the, the Judy one is more of a surprise. That was a Sunday morning report that not only are uh, Jerry Judy along with KJ Hamler and Bradley Chubb. Not only are are the Broncos getting calls on those guys, but they're considered to be on the trade block, which um, even with the Broncos' struggles was not something that, that we really saw coming. I would still be surprised if either Moore or Jerry Judy were, were traded. DJ Moore. Yeah, DJ Moore had a nice game, of course, his best game of the year on Sunday. Seven catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Got 10 targets. In that football game, Judy, Judy on the same thing, seven for 96 and got 11 targets, just not really the usage we're used to with those guys. Uh, hopefully there's more to come from that. They're, they're eking their way back to wide receiver three status for dynasty managers uh, to some negative news. And it starts off big with with injuries and Brees Hall guys uh, went down awkwardly. Uh, Robert Sala, after the game, called the injury, quote, serious in a post-game interview. It's feared to be an ACL injury. And this guy who is who is just rocketing up uh, our ADP all the way to the top at number one might, might be done for the year, unfortunately. And, you know, we just have to give Dynasty managers a reminder that these players, while they won't be producing, if this is, in fact, the case and, and he is lost for the season – he will retain this value. It will return uh, at some point in the coming months, but but you just feel bad for the player. And then, you know, it, it might sound insignificant, but I feel bad for dynasty managers because we were all so excited about Brees Hall. He's so much fun to watch every single Sunday and he's racking up fantasy points. And there are, there are football fans, dynasty players that are becoming Brees Hall fans because they get to watch him every week. And we may not get to do that anymore. And I, I feel bad for us because of that. Yeah, we're, we're definitely far down the line uh, of, yeah. <laughs> of the uh, ones to be concerned about. But I, I feel the same way. And um, I mean, I opened the show saying there were, you know, some 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 hits, some negative feelings. And that's that's really it was really about Brees Hall. And I, I probably have 20 dynasty rosters and I don't think I have him on any of them. So it's not it's not a, a pity party about my teams. It's just man, this, this kid is fun to watch. He's a rookie tearing up the league. He, many people considering them, considering him the dynasty RB one already. And now we have to wait until next year. And, and again, more importantly is the jets who are off to a great surprising start and, and the player himself, uh, of course, much worse situation, obviously for, for them than, you know, than us sitting here and, and thinking about these guys. But um, yeah, still, still just a bummer. I mean, Michael Carter, we saw him have a solid rookie season a year ago. So he, he's clearly going to be the big beneficiary. I said earlier with the Elijah Moore talk, I still think they're going to try to run the ball a, a, as much as they can. So Carter is going to be sadly the, the big winner from this injury. Carter got his opportunity in that game against the Broncos in the in the last two and a half quarters or so. 13 carries, just 29 yards, and didn't look all that explosive outside of a, a, a catch and run on the sideline that went for, I think, 27 yards. Um, we'll see how that plays out if he'll, if he'll get that backfield to himself. 
but he should get significant work moving forward. Matt DK Metcalf had a had a serious injury as well. It it, it appears uh, we have to wait for further testing, of course, like we always do. But he was he was significantly uh, bummed out, I would say, leaving the field. Um, a, a relatively serious injury, it looks like, and and may miss time. Um, your thoughts about DK Metcalf? Yeah, we. I mean, we just have to wait to see what it is. If it's an ACL, then you know, hopefully we see him back next season. Um, but I mean, play, it's unfortunate that it happened in a, in, an, in, a, in a season where Geno Smith is is playing so well, and in a season where we thought that Seattle was going to be a, a basement dweller, and here they are knocking off the Chargers uh, uh, today, right? So uh, that's that's unfortunate for that offense, but for Dynasty. Um, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't crushing it from a from a fantasy standpoint. Um, so, in, in in some regards, maybe it's a, a, a relief that you don't have to check his name and put put him in your in your lineup and can kind of just sit on it for next year. Hope they get uh, more competitive for for next season and, and Metcalf's ready to go. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you can really move him, right? Like, I, I'm, you're not getting a first round pick for him as an injured receiver, and I'm certainly not taking less than a first for him. Um, uh, on any of my teams. So uh, I just don't, I don't think you can really do anything. You just have to find, find a way to replace his production. Maybe you go after Brandon cooks cheaply, like you mentioned uh, in the, in the last segment, something to kind of, kind of fill that hole. Uh, but I don't think anything is, is changing from his, from his value while he's healthy and on the field. So I'm just going to wait till next year. Maybe your best bet there with DK, if you're a contender is to try to trade him for a replacement but DK would have to be on a team that that uh, you know you'd have to trade him to a team that's that's tanking. Uh, yeah. Trade DK to a team that doesn't want the points right now and has one of those veterans maybe that that can are scoring too many points for that for that franchise. I can't think of a great example off the top of can my I head. Get Mike Evans? Can uh, I get Mike Evans for him? Yeah, I that's mean, the that's the kind I, of range. My pivot to Mike Evans. Uh, so maybe in your league, it's just right. Mike Evans is on a on a bottom feeder team, or or somebody in that range. Maybe maybe a Terry McLaurin or Mamari uh, uh, Cooper. Maybe he's he's had a he's had a decent start to the season. So it'd have to be something like that. Um, in the same game, Mike Williams also got uh, got injured. looked looked pretty bad. He was he was in a lot of pain on the field. It was an ankle injury. Ryan um, could be could be significant yeah lots of speculation about this one um keenan allen after the game actually called it a high ankle uh, high ankle sprain so um honestly at that at this point that's probably the best case situation that it's Mm -hmm. a high ankle sprain and he's out you know four to six weeks or something like that um uh, dr chow also threw out the the possibility or the concern of a uh uh, fibula fracture so um a broken leg essentially I, I don't know uh what the time frame would be on that but i'm i'm sure it wouldn't be good uh rashad penny is that- i think is it, it, i think that was the same injury for him and uh of course his his season's over so definitely was in a lot of pain there at, towards the end of the game um yeah again same same theme the hits just kept coming more and more players getting injured and I think, you know, volume, the, the big takeaway is volume and depth on your roster is, is going to be huge. 
Yeah, it will continue to be huge. Williams, seven catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown against Seattle on Sunday. He's been so up and down as he has throughout his whole career. He goes from two catches for 17 yards to 10 catches for 134. uh, All over the place, and a guy we will miss for however long he's out, for sure. The last uh, few players we want to talk about, let's uh, welcome back Dak Prescott. Uh, 207 yards and a touchdown um, was good for the offense, it appeared, as well. Uh, good for all the other targets on the field for the Cowboys. Gus Edwards, as I mentioned early, earlier, 16 catches, 66 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And then, guys, Matt, DeAndre Hopkins, 14 targets, caught 10 of them for 103 and looked like that alpha out there that the Cardinals desperately have needed. Yeah, it must be a huge confidence boost for someone like Kyler Murray to have a player back there that can just catch the ball like if it's anywhere near him Nuke went and got it he didn't have the burst that that you know we want from these wide receivers sometimes but it doesn't matter when he's able to body control that body control I was going to say body coordination yeah he is just everywhere like he's gonna yeah I I was really worried about him coming back and you know I'm still not sure how it's going to go once Marquise Brown Marquise Brown was playing really well I think he was the wide receiver six from a fantasy standpoint um, before getting hurt something like that um, so I, I, we'll see how that goes once he's back in there. I was really excited to see them, t- those two on the field together and Rondell Moore back in the slot. Like this offense, all of a sudden, it feels like we have some hope again. And that's all thanks to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do with them. I, I, obviously, the, the the standard is if you are not competing, you go ahead and move them for whatever you can get. I guess you get a second round pick for them. But on a competing team, like I don't think you want to send him anywhere at this point. Um, so uh, we'll see how he goes going forward. I don't think his ceiling is as high as it was on Thursday night uh, necessarily uh, week to week, but uh, I think he's going to score probably a lot of touchdowns and certainly have a lot of volume um, while Marquise Brown is out at least. If you're competing, are you, are you, is he a target? Is he a guy you're going to go try to get right now? I don't think so. But I mean, oh, I mean, if you had really? DK and you had a second, if you had DK and you have a second, like a content, deep contender, second round pick, and you and somebody's going to move him for that, then okay, I think that's a fine replacement. But I just don't know how many teams he's on that you could do that with. You know, I mean, this is the team Arizona that has has struggled to get their offense going all year. Right. Uh, I mean, as but look as, good on Thursday. Finally. And, right? and finally, right. No, and Marcus, finally, no Marshawn Lattimore. So there was none of it. There was their best defender was was missing. Well, most teams right. don't have a Marshawn Lattimore, though. So that's I mean, True. he's one of the best defenders in the league. One of the best D-backs in the league. So, I mean, with with Hollywood out for a month, at least with um, James Conner continuing to battle injuries with Rondell Moore, not quite being what we hoped they would that he would be i mean i feel like hopkins is just going to get peppered with targets and the offense is struggling they're they're going to have to throw the ball to stay in games i i do see um i do see hopkins ceiling being as high as what we saw on thursday night and i think he's a great target if you lost mike williams or you lost dk or or you were starting Brees hall as as a flex and you want to replace him and the I thing would, is, I would easily there's a pay good, a second for him. Easily play, pay a second. I agree with that. The thing is, he it's it's relatively likely he is on a bottom feeder team in your league. He he hasn't been producing True. for that team. Uh, he might be on a team that's one and six after this week or two and five. And 
and is already looking towards next year. So so he's going to be a guy that could be traded quite a bit in the coming days. And I, I think it's a good idea to go see what the what the cost would be. That second round pick might not get it done for most dynasty managers, though, right now coming off that performance. Uh, guys, no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in Pick'em contest for a shot at winning 250K or more in cold, hard cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. Bet on up to five player prop over and unders uh, or, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code DLF at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get an initial deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. It's time to set the line. I don't want to set the line. <laughs> I haven't been doing all that great, fellas. I, uh, uh, how's it going, man? Yeah, it, uh, you didn't do super well this week either, Dan. <laughs> um, well, the first one Ryan threw out was how many Panthers will be moved by the next time we record. Dan, it wasn't one. Under, under 0. 0.5, uh, Robbie Anderson got moved, I think, the day after we recorded. Uh, so I picked up a win on that. You picked up a loss. Uh, Dan, you threw out Josh Jacobs would finish RB 10.5 or better. Well, he was the one running back one on the week, and uh, Brian and I both take, took him. So uh, we both gained a point on you there. So that puts me at 2-0 for the week. The last one is undecided uh, until we finish uh, with uh, Sunday Night Football here. Um, but it's close. Uh, I put out there that the top twelve of the of the top twelve dynasty running backs by ADP in October, um, five and uh, five and a half of them would finish as a top twelve running back in week seven. We're currently at five. You guys both took under, so currently you're winning. Eckler, Mixon, Barkley, Henry, and Chubb got there. Kamara almost got there, but he's running back third. Or he did get there, but he's running back thirteen, so just barely. Brees Hall scored thirteen points, was running back eighteen on just four carries. So I have, feel pretty good like he was going to get there. Jonathan Taylor failed. DeAndre Swift ended up not playing. Um, but Najee Harris has a chance to get there tonight. But don't feel great about that. So you guys probably both pick up a win on that one, which would put both Ryan and I at 2-0 and for the week and uh, you at 1-1, one and one, Dan. If he's right. running back well, 13, um, he did not get there, right? A win is a win. No, well, he was, he was RB1 after, after Thursday night. So Matt was taking, taking a yeah. dub on that, I guess. Congrats. Uh, <laughs> let's uh let's get to our week eight or yeah week eight lines uh who wants to start us off i'll go uh all right so four teams had a week six by six a week six by this is week seven and week seven those teams went two and two in week seven or excuse me week eight what are we, what are we on yeah in week eight yes. uh four teams also have a bye those teams are buffalo philadelphia minnesota and the los angeles rams all of them are playing at home uh, buffalo has the packers at home philadelphia has pittsburgh at home minnesota has the cardinals at home and the rams have san francisco all at home so i'm going to set the line at two and a half wins for these four teams do you want the over or the under over, 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 over. 
guaranteeing a win on this one. I would have, I might have taken the over if you'd have said I almost it put it at three and a half. I almost put yeah. it at three and a half. I think that's a pretty easy one. Buffalo will destroy the Packers. Philadelphia Absolutely. will stay undefeated. Minnesota probably wins that game as well. I know the Rams kind of struggle against San Francisco, so I guess there's a chance Minnesota uh, kind of steps on their own toe coming off the bye, and then the Rams continue to struggle against San Francisco, but but I think it's it's an easy over for me. Yep, it's over for me as well. Uh, really same, I feel like, same thinking. I felt like you guys would have definitely taken the under at 3.5. So I was No, I was thinking you were going to say you were going to say three and a half, and I was leaning leaning towards the the I over. Changed so. it like an hour before the show to two and a half. <sighs> so guys, All right, that's the same out. thing that happened line, to me the line last moved week. Right before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got better odds, I guess, as as the show moved on there, Ryan. Uh, I can go next. Uh, Travis Etienne, guys, we didn't really have room to fit him into this week's show. But he looked so good on Sunday uh, for the Jaguars. Had his first 100-yard game uh, against the Giants and scored 22.9 fantasy points. He plays the Broncos next week in London. The Broncos were tough against the run outside of that one Brees Hall 62-yard gashing run. Uh, On Sunday, Michael Carter, I mentioned his line, 13 carries for 29 yards. It looks like ETN has a firm grasp on a majority of that work in the backfield. So I'm going to set the line at 18.99 fantasy points in PPR. Will he go over or under that against the Broncos? I'm going to go under. Uh, I think I'm going to go under as well. I think that could just be a super ugly, low-scoring game. Uh, ETN has been impressive, certainly was on Sunday, but that offense still just does, they're, they're not quite clicking. They don't quite have it all together. Like, like we want them to, um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going under, I think he's going to have to catch five or six passes and get a touchdown to hit, to get above that. Well, I think he has to do one or the other and, and he hasn't been as involved in the passing game. Yeah, as just I one hope, catch on as Sunday. As I hoped he would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nobody in that backfield has really. James Robinson had that one uh, overthrown end zone target, but didn't get a didn't get a carry in the game. ETN got the 14. They were playing from behind for, for part of that game. And, you know, it seems like they really want to throw the ball a lot. And it's kind of head-scratching that ETN isn't a bigger part of that part of their offense. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you set a line for us? Sure. We started the show with uh, some Christian McCaffrey talk. So I want to, I want to go back to that a little bit. Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers as, as uh, Matt already mentioned, play the Rams next week. Uh, So McCaffrey just played the Rams in week six, just a couple weeks ago, uh, or actually last week, Uh, had 13 carries for 69 yards, seven catches for 89 yards, ended up with a total of 22.8 fantasy points when playing for the Carolina Panthers. So that is the line for next week. 49ers versus Rams, 22.8 fantasy points for Christian McCaffrey. Matt didn't even have to think about it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going over. I mean, that's a big number, but I don't care. I'm going over. Man, I, I mean, that's the a only good chance line. I see, the only chance I see him not getting there is if he is on, for some reason on limited touches again, like he was this week. That's, that's the only scenario. I think I, I kind of feel like he has to get in the end zone to get to that. And I don't know if that's a guarantee in that offense. Uh, I got to catch up to you guys somehow. I'm going to take the under on that one. 
So that is set the line. We'll see how those things play out over the next week or so. Uh, we need to we need to talk some trade. Let's talk trade. Crazy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to do the thing that we we try to never do. Uh, right, Matt? We're going to sell low and we're going to buy high. This is Matt's idea, so uh, Matt, take it away. Sometimes you have to, you know? <laughs> I, I just feel like sometimes you, if you, you're if you either just going to take it. It's like buying a, a risky stock or cryptocurrency or something. Are you going to get out and, and save a little face or are you going to just write it all the way to zero? Um, and I'm not going to do that with Brian Robinson. Um, I'm not super impressed with him. I know he's got the backfield in terms of touches um, on a very small sample size, but I feel like Gibson in these in these three games have has looked much better as both a rusher and receiver. Brian Robinson is out touched uh, Antonio Gibson 46 to 27 over the last three games, but he's only averaging 8.26 PPR points per game to Gibson's 10.63. Uh, so 2.37 points less on 26% more of the touches. Only two catches on two targets. Those both happened this week. Robinson is the running back 36 currently in October ADP. Uh, I don't know. He just To me, he just looks like a replacement level kind of player. He's going to be very volume and touchdown dependent. He's already uh, 23 and a half years old. Um, some trades in the trade finder recently. Rob, uh, excuse me, Brian Robinson in a second for a first and a third. I'll take the first. Oh Brian gosh. Robinson for Jerry Judy straight dream. up. I'll take Jerry Judy. Brian Robinson for Rashad White and a second. I'd probably take Rashad White straight up over Brian Robinson, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I'm looking to get out. I'd probably take any second that I can uh, for him, um, and anything else would be gravy. I think I'd agree with that. I'm, I'm willing to take the second at this point. I agree with Matt's analysis there. He hasn't looked as good as I kind of expected him to look. He, he doesn't have the same burst. That Gibson has, and and we're talking about Robinson as a guy like who has the backfield. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> thirty five. He got thirty five snaps. Antonio Gibson had twenty nine, and towards the end of that game, when they needed it, it looked like they trusted Gibson more. Well, they should trust Gibson more, but I think this is what they want. I mean, Brian Robinson had twenty carries. Gibson had ten. They certainly don't trust Gibson as any type of bell cow back. That they don't want him. To be, they don't want Gibson to be the one with 20 carries. So I, I think what we saw on Sunday against the Packers is is really what they want their backfield to look like and, and probably what it will continue to look like. But Brian Robinson is kind of what Zeke is right now at this stage of his career, right? I mean, he's not he's not early career <laughs> Zeke, but he's he's that guy who needs a touchdown to to really put up any kind of fantasy points. Otherwise, he's going 20 for 73 like he did on uh on sunday so i would take the second as well on uh, on brian robinson i am taking a second round pick for another running back and his name is cam Akers. uh it, i know Good we luck. talked about it a little bit last week that that's that's not probably happening every very often but actually in the trade finder it's happening quite often people are people are willing to to give up that second and it's most likely a late second and somebody's you know, trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe he gets traded somewhere that, that he can be used right away. I just, I don't believe in what's what I'm seeing on the field. My my eyes aren't telling me that that is a dynamic running back anymore. And maybe he comes back out of that. But 
I think this is the definition of selling low because he he's awfully low right now. And there's not many people that that want him. If there's one in my league and I have him, I'm I'm out. I'm I'm getting out. I might sell him for for less than a second if it's the right right young player that's worth a third right now. I I might sell him for Brian Robinson, and I'm not even that impressed with Brent, Brian Robinson. <laughs> I, I do wonder if there's a chance. I mean, we heard the trade re, trade talk with with Cam Akers. If they can't find a taker, and and I don't think they will, do they just essentially release let him. him be a? Well, but why? Why release him? Right? Like why let him go yeah. to a team that might be contending with you for a, a spot? They could just make him a healthy scratch the rest of the year. Right. What if he? Went yeah, to, I guess I hadn't thought of Arizona. That. You know, he could have went to Ari- could go to Arizona, and now they have a running. I don't. Back, you know. I doubt if they're, they're if scared he of Cam Akers going to the competition at this point. They they weren't using him like he's a he's a factor back and a guy that that that's is fair. that is going to make a difference for their team. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you got a solo. Yeah, Michael Thomas. Um, the uh, the same thing we were worried about with him coming into the year has has happened. Multiple injuries. Should have sold him after week one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, multiple injuries. Um, I think even if and when healthy, he's not uh, he's not going to be the top target in that offense anymore. And uh, and that offense is not as as pass heavy as uh, as it once was anyway. So. You know, this is the case. You guys both kind of mentioned it with with Acres and with Robinson. I have these sell low situations, and then every time I go to the trade finder, the prices are the returns are much better than than I expected. Um, so I I know not every league is the same, but you've just got to be active. And you know, if if you do want to move a player, don't just send out those cold offers, or or don't just send the you know I'll take the first second that somebody offers. But send those emails, text, whatever, really, uh, you know, really kind of grind to get a deal done. Uh, but there's there's dozens of trade examples in the trade finder that I would take from for Michael Thomas, Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley for Michael Thomas. What? Uh, <laughs> I assume that's one quarterback. That, that's a one quarterback. <laughs> OK, uh, Jahan Dotson, even up. I, I mean, that's oh, yeah, that's yeah, a slam yeah. dunk. Uh, George Pickens and a throw in for Michael Thomas and a throw in. I would do that. Yeah. The, uh, there's, there's lots, there's uh, several examples, many examples that I would do, but ultimately I would, I would take a second for him. All right. Everybody that's listening right now, take the next couple seconds to think about who Matt price will choose as his buy high. Okay. You got it. Who is it, Matt? It's Josh Jacobs, and to be fair, I did put this. Give me on a break! You put CMC on here. Oh, well, I'm sorry, I did put two. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Of course, he put two. CMC. Everybody, CMC. Yeah, you know, I don't play by the rules, Dan. Uh, <laughs> CMC is is the number one buy. Like to me, it's it's whatever you need to pay. We already talked about it. Two two first plus. Um, the guy I put down originally though was Josh Jacobs, and it's going to be harder today after his running back one finish. Um, but the, the, the thesis here is that he's just getting everything. Uh, in six games this season, Jacobs is just dominating touches. The backfield touches with 131 on the season. Brandon Bolden is the next closest with 15. Samir White, who we thought was going to maybe be involved, maybe even take the job. Uh, he only has five touches this entire season. Um, he's uh, Josh Jacobs is averaging 22 touches per game. Currently, that's behind only Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley. He's averaging four, or, excuse me, he's averaging four receptions on five and a half targets over the last four games. So he's catching the ball now. 
um, things in the trade finder, Judy, uh, and a second and a third for him. Dobbins straight up. Um, I'd like to get him for two seconds, but I kind of feel like you're going to have to send that 1.12 now uh, to get him after today. Uh, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to buy some more Josh Jacobs. Are you are you sending that that late first if you're a contender that that has a questionable RB two? Man, I really don't want to, but if my <laughs> team is really strong, I I, pro- I probably would. I mean, I, I don't think this is going to change. Like, if if they were going to go with a committee, I mean, why why would they ha- why would they start doing that? Uh, now I just don't think that they're going to. He's somehow only 24 years old. He's just a year just a year older than Brian Robinson, despite what three, four seasons in the league now. So um, yeah, I don't want to, but I probably would in the right situation. Mm. I, uh, I guess I, I don't want I to either, <laughs> but, but I'm not sending that, that he that could end up in a that. prime situation next season. They didn't pick up his fifth year. Off it might be in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, <laughs> it might be back. They they might decide to pay him. Absolutely. Uh, my buy high is Mark Andrews, who, uh, what happened with him today, man? Well, I don't know. Does it, does it create the opportunity to buy high on him? So I I hope so. Yeah. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can capitalize on this. Uh, it was the Lamar Jackson running game, Gus Edwards around the goal line. And then, uh, Mark Andrews, two targets, no catches, and it was ugly. Nevertheless, I want him. I want him on my team. He just turned 27. Elite production outside of uh, of Sunday, of course. Currently number 16 in our ADP. His highest ever. So this is truly buying high. He's the tight end, tight end one in every league. And, you know, Travis Kelsey at his peak got into round one, I believe, Ryan. Am I wrong about that? He, he got into the late, late first round. Uh, a couple of years ago, and sure. I think Andrews still has a little room to get to get up in there as as this season, okay. you know, kind of plays out. I think he's just as dominant and can be dominant late into his career, just like Travis Kelsey has been mm-hmm. as well. It's it's really, you know, some of the trades that I looked at are pretty easy takes if you're in the right situation. I love Michael Pittman, but I want Mark Andrews over Michael Pittman in a tight end premium league. And this one's tight end premium. Uh, I want, I want Mark Andrews over Pat Fryermuth in a first that, that seems relatively easy to, to take Andrews in that one. Uh, I don't know what that guy's doing while he's rebuilding. And I, you know, you you see these trades multiple times where you see Andrews traded for two first round picks. And I think in the right situation again, and this, a couple of those that I saw are uh, tight end premium. I went into the to the to the league settings to find out. <laughs> I'm willing to pay those two first if I have to to get the guy that I can check the box every single week. If that's my weakness and I'm playing somebody like Mike Gesecki or or Hunter Henry every week and he puts me over the top, it's pretty easy to accept a two first trade for the most dominant tight end in the game outside of maybe Kelsey. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, really, right now. Only two tight ends seem to matter, and, and uh, you know that's not that's not the case week to week where you can find the matchups that work. But uh, I mean, it's it's Kelsey and Andrews right now, and if you don't have those two guys, you're you're behind. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I don't know. I, I'm still just I'm 
I'm protecting those 23 first rounders, but I think that's where the value is. And you have a buy high as well. One that Matt and I both admitted we considered. So this is, I think this is the, the, the podcast buy high at this point. Yeah, I guess so. Well, once, once I chose Michael Thomas as my sell low, this one seemed fitting. Uh, Chris Alave. I I said, I did not think. Let's just swap them. You send out Thomas and you get Alave. Great deal, right? (laughs) You, you probably could have done that, uh, you know, after week one, maybe. But um, I certainly want to buy Chris Olave right now. He's, uh, for a while, he's been my rookie wide receiver one, uh, and it's nothing has changed uh, about that this season so far through seven weeks. Looking at the trade finder, Chris Olave in a two for two first-rounders. Chris Olave for Miles Sanders in a first-rounder. Uh, that's – that. That feels pretty steep to me, uh, especially the two first rounders. Um, I, I don't know that I'm making that type of deal. I'm I, I'm trying to pivot from another young wide receiver. If if I took Drake London over Alave, I want to do London in a second or Garrett Wilson in a second. I want to try to correct that mistake that I made in the draft. That's that's kind of my ideal trade for Chris Alave. I'm I'm trying to keep my first rounder. Yeah, I. I like that. I, I like that. As that's good advice for sure. As a guy who who had Olave pretty high in my rankings, I feel pretty good about my decision at this point. Matt, I know you're a big Chris Olave fan as well. What are you paying at this point with everything he's put on film? You're willing to give those those first round picks to go get Olave? Absolutely. If I mean, if I'm a compete, let's say I'm a competing team. Let's let's just say I have the 112, 110 to one twelve, something like that. I'll send my twenty three and my twenty four to. Uh, first round pick for Olave, no problem yeah. at all. Uh, he just looks like a pro out there. You see him, you see him watching the quarterback. You see Dalton like rolling out, and he's breaking back towards the quarterback. He's doing things that 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 true veterans do already as a rookie. Um, so all that kind of stuff that was said about him being the most pro ready uh, wide receiver has come to fruition. Um, and you know, I, I think it's going to keep going. What's to stop it? Uh, they need to get a quarterback situation under control. But he's producing with with Winston and Dalton, so. Um, almost anything is going to be an upgrade for, at this point. I think we're sharing a brain on this one, Matt, because what the guy I see, he's smooth. You know, he makes that break, and he, he looks like he knows what the quarterback's thinking coming back to footballs, going up above the rim to make catches, which wasn't necessarily a huge strength of his coming in, but he's got that killer instinct to go get the ball. He's had, he's had a couple odd drops that – that have kind of made me scratch my head because that's not really something that we expect out of him and take some hits that we don't want. Of course he had the concussion and missed that game. If he were to, yeah, <laughs> those are scary situations. So I guess if, if you're trying to, to pour cold water on anything, it's probably that, uh, that's not enough to, to overcome his value at this point. He looks like the real deal and probably the wide receiver one in that class. That was just, that was just stacked with so much talent. That's all the time we got for this week's episode of the pod. Follow Ryan at Twitter at RyanMC23. Get Matt at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMiler22 on Twitter. And get the podcast at DLF Podcast. Thank you to everybody who listened. We appreciate your time. And we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.